Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. In anticipation of Super Bowl 58 and the NFL playoffs, BetMGM is a brand new offer for the listeners of the Just Baseball Show. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through BetMGM Sportsbook app of at least $5. You will receive $158 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. So how do you get this offer? Well, first, you're going to download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $5 into your newly created account. Place a wager in the amount of at least $5 at standard odds price. Once you have placed a bet, you will receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your wager. Disclaimer. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions must be 21 plus to wager. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get $158 when you bet at least $5 on your first wager. Do it on BetMGM. And your week with us on the Just Baseball Show. Michael Bush got a new home. He is free. Yancey Almonte, also a Chicago Cub. Bush and Almonte to the Cubs for Jackson Ferris and Zaire Hope. We're going to talk about that. Also going to play GM for the state of Ohio, the Cleveland Guardians and the Cincinnati Reds. One way more fun than the other. And in recent years... I think you would expect that Cleveland be more fun than Cincinnati, but that's not the case anymore. Peter's got something off the top. I've got two quick shout outs. But as always, we are brought to you by the fine folks at BetMGM, the king of sports books. Come on. If you listen to the uh, ad at the beginning, you know that we have a promo with BetMGM. And it goes like this. Download the BetMGM sports app using code just baseball or code just gridiron probably just baseball you're listening here to the just baseball show number two i want you to bet five dollars a simple abraham lincoln 
on any bet with standard odds. Once that bet is finalized, regardless of winning or losing, you get back $158 instantly in bonus bets. Why are they doing that? Super Bowl 58. Let's get $158 in the account for simply making a $5 wager on minus 110 odds, right? Don't bet 10, don't bet 20. Throw a Lincoln down and you will get $158. Jack, why wouldn't you? Dude, I mean, that might be the heist of the century. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's awesome. It's doing it. I've never seen a promo like this where it's just five bucks, then you get 158. No, it's like, okay, yeah, they're doing it for the Super Bowl, but they're also apparently doing it because they're sick and they want to give out money, which is fascinating to me. You think they you think they're called the King of Sportsbooks for no reason? Uh, I don't know, man. I see you on the posters. I see Jamie Foxx. I know they got KG involved. You it's, know, it's, you it's and Jamie? Kevin Garnett are pretty similar. I agree. It's, it's <laughs> you got for, the... for the folks watching on YouTube, I got the Zoom updates. We got all this going on. So yeah, on the Mount Rushmore Bet MGM, it's me, Jamie Foxx, Kevin Garnett, and the Lion. Yeah. You, you might be the, the lion. lion. Yeah, you I know the lion. the lion. Yeah, MGM had the Lion first. Metro Goldwyn Mayor, hence bet MGM, all that. That makes sense, right? Um, couple of shout-outs for me, but before that, you want to do a certain ranking? Yes. So on the last show, I talked with Arm about a New Year's resolution. I'm giving up dairy, Jack. Yeah, I'm giving it up. And it makes a lot of people. Couple... It makes a lot of people feel like ass. It does. And I, what's great is I told the listeners of the Just Baseball Show to DM me if they're interested in doing this kind of dairy-free 2024. Seventeen DMs about it. Wow. I was fired up. I'm getting a bunch of people be like, you know what? I don't really like this shit either. I got so many messages. So I, I'm trying to figure out something, maybe a support group. I don't know. But another New Year's resolution. I've always been into hats. I don't know if you guys noticed for the people watching on YouTube, check out the new Yankee hat. I mean, that is sick. I mean, that's a sick Yankee hat. So I'm going to really start collecting hats and I need to get one for every team. Now I have some, but they're very, like the classic ones. Right, I want to start collecting awesome hats. So I want you to rank these three. And in our YouTube comments, leave them ranking these three hats. Okay. Three different teams. Don't just go with your favorite team. It's about the look of the hat. Yeah, so this one, like I'm going to do my best like radio play-by-play impression here. He's got the classic Yankee logo on the left side of his hat. And then he's got the word Yankees spelling along the side of the hat that he's wearing right now. Um, the other hat that he's showing us is like a, a gray or maybe light teal, dull teal Seattle Mariners all-star game specific hat. So yep. it's the classic Mariners logo uh, with the star on the northwest end of the S. And then you've got the all-star game logo on the right side. And then the other one, white hat, black brim, the Philly fanatic on a scooter or on like an ATV type thing waving to you. Uh, the Philly Fanatic hat is number one. I think the the unique Yankee hat is number two, and the All-Star Game specialty hat is number three. I think I agree with you. I'm a little bit biased Yankee fan. I like this Yankee hat a little bit more, but this is the coolest hat I've made Nothing's yet. Nothing's beating the Philly Fanatic. Yeah, I don't think so. Number one mascot in baseball, number one hat in Major League Baseball, but I'm going to keep you all updated if you even care about my hat collection because it's going to get awesome. Yeah, real quick, you reminded me, might as well share my New Year's resolution too. Get up on my first alarm. At the end Ooh. of 2023, I was having some issues. I was like, yeah, I'll hit snooze and then I'll hit snooze. And then the third time I'm like, all right, damn it, time to exist. Ugh. 
Uh, now I'm like, all right, I want my feet to hit the floor. I want to get up and have to go somewhere to turn the alarm off. And at that point, I might as well just start my day. So first alarm is me. I think that's a great one. The only reason why that never applies to me is I am a coffee addict. Me too. Addict. So I love getting up in the morning and going straight for a cup of coffee. Like I'm like excited to get up in the morning yeah. to feel that morning coffee. It's one of the best parts of my day. So I've never really had a problem with that since I started drinking coffee. Because again, I don't enjoy coffee. I am an addict. Got you. And the first um, part of admitting is admitting. I don't know. Yeah. Is that true? I, I think so. <laughs> I, I don't know part, if you're going to find that in textbooks, but yeah, sure. That's the Peter Apple way. Got you. Um, all right. We, we've spent a long time not talking about baseball, but real quick, two shout outs, one baseball related, one non-baseball related. My friend Drew was in town um, from Boston and he introduced me to uh, this woman, Dot, who has the pretzels. Have you had Dot's pretzels? Those things are amazing. The Big original, like, so they look like this. I was just snacking on it before we got on. They, they yes. have, yeah, dude, these Those things are, are amazing. Have you ever I, had those Snyder's pretzels, like honey yes, mustard or yes. buffalo flavor? Right. Have you ever looked into the nutrition facts on those? No. Is it like xanthan gum and all that stuff? No, no, no. It's not that. The amount of fat and salt in these, like, honey mustard oh, pretzels. Oh, I'm sure. It's like eating an entire pizza. I'm sure. Yeah, but they're delicious. But so. I hate it because it's the greatest tasting snack possibly in the world. Number two to Chex Mix, the ultimate best snack that's ever been. Right. But thank you to Drew for pointing me in the direction of dots. Now it's all I want to eat ever for the rest of my life. Number two, my friend Anna, who is the baseball communications manager with the Indianapolis Indians, uh, made me this for Christmas. It is Barry Whoa. Bonds. Yep. It's a freeze frame. The YouTube folk can see it. It's Barry Bonds. It's that iconic two fingers up in the air after he hits Homer 756. Wow. It's the first call in the Just Baseball Show intro. And I told her, and, you know, she oversees, like, all the broadcast stuff. Like, she'll listen to every fucking broadcast. I don't know how she does that. But um, she was like, what's your favorite call of all time? And I was like, it's Dwayne Kuyper's call of Barry Bonds' 756th home run. And it is outlined with the words of Dwayne Kuyper's call. That That's how it's written. That's an unbelievable gift. And she was like, it only took me like two, three hours. I was like, oh my God. Like, how about that creativity there? So I thought that was an amazing gift. It's going up uh, right above Kyle Taylor's Mark Burley portrait. So loved it. Absolutely amazing. What a gift. I mean, I so know. thoughtful and nice. My favorite call. Do you know my favorite call? Yeah, Joe Buck. We'll see you tomorrow night. They're both in the Just Baseball uh, and intro. We, and we will see you tomorrow night you, you, oh, do chills. you know that's a play on his dad right yeah, his dad his jack, jack buck. buck yeah and he tried to do it in the same cadence yep. and i think that backstory is so cool um michael bush 25 years old i saw foolish baseball our guy put together a hilarious video the top 10 prospects that are older than juan soto and the number one prospect older than juan soto is michael bush of the la dodgers but now it's michael bush of the Chicago Cubs. It was Bush and Yancy Almonte who signed a minor league free agent deal with the Dodgers a couple of years ago after sucking with the Rockies, totally revitalized his career. And now Almonte goes as a quasi setup guy for the Cubs ahead of Adbert Alzali, and Bush goes likely as the everyday third baseman. In return, the Dodgers get Jackson Ferris and Zaire Hope. Um, Aram's got a full write-up that I'm linking in the episode description in the Cubs top prospect list. 
but he's just baseball's number 10 Cubs prospect before the trade. Lefty can run it up to 97. Gross slider. He was a high school draftee in 22. Zaire Hope, 11th round pick in 2023, was paid more like a fifth round pick, 400 grand to him. High school guy tools out the ass. Bunch of homers, bunch of stolen bases, and not a bunch of games at the complex. Your overall takeaway from the Cubs perspective first, getting Bush and Yancey. From the Cubs perspective, it does feel like they bought decently low on Michael Bush because the Dodgers had to clear from their 40 man. So you were getting a guy who was floated in Dylan Cease talks, right? I'm sure he was floated in the Tyler Glass now talks. Minor league hitter of the year, Michael Bush, can play multiple positions. For the Cubs, just on the surface, it felt like a better deal for them. But when it feels like a much better deal for the Cubs and you have the Dodgers involved, I'm sorry, people listening. I'm sorry, Cubs fans. But I think we're all thinking the same thing. What does Andrew Friedman know? And that's why you have to go read Arm's write-ups about these Cubs prospects, which I did. And I came away thinking they found two guys that they really like. Because why would they give up Michael Bush in a deal like this? Why wouldn't they trade Michael Bush for a Corbin Burns? Why wouldn't they include Michael Bush in these big-time deals? Minor league hitter of the year. But they got two prospects for him. And I read about these two prospects, Jack, and I'm sure you know them probably pretty well. They have upside. They've got I'm a little bit scared. Yeah. I'm a little bit scared for the Cubs because you may be looking back at a couple of years and being shit. Shit, I think we're all kind of thinking it. But right now, I love the Cubs' return. Right now, I do, but I'm scared. I'm scared. Yeah, I this they've obviously got a ton of upside, and I would love to tinfoil hat my way into thinking that the Dodgers, like we're going to be looking at this as one of the more lopsided trades ever, and like, hey, Fernando Tatis was a White Sox, and then it was James Shields. It's not that. I know. I'm telling you, though, it's just when the Dodgers are in this kind of yeah, mode, for sure. hundreds of trillions of dollars and signing a bunch of guys, my brain immediately goes tinfoil and I can't help it. Yeah, no, I understand. Um, I've got a I've got a person that I go to for that once a week if you want if you want help. <laughs> but the my immediate takeaway, are you good? Is that a Stanley Cup that you're I using? I was just choked on the water. <laughs> Um, my immediate takeaway from this deal was I cannot believe that in some form or fashion, Michael Bush was a 40 man victim. Like, how was this guy a 40 man crunch guy? I'll read you the numbers in a moment. I will say Bush likely slots in as the third baseman. And I don't think that's a problem that the Cubs are now out of the Matt Chapman sweepstakes. The more this goes on, the more I'm thinking I wouldn't pay Matt Chapman versus at the beginning of the year, I was like, I definitely would pay Matt Chapman nine figures. Now I'm like nine figures for that guy. Like he strikes out a lot. The power's dissipating. I just don't know. And is he the platinum glover he once was? I don't think so. There are too many questions for me to commit a hundred million dollars. Now you get a guy with six years of control, three of which pre-arb and you can run with him as your opening day third baseman now instead of a P-Wiz or instead of a Morel who's just airmail city over there, apparently. Um, but Bush, in the minor leagues this past year, 98 games, he slashed 323, 431, 618. That's a 1049 OPS 
with 27 homers and 90 driven in in 98 games. Year before that, between double A and triple A, 38 doubles, 32 homers, 108 driven in in 881 OPS. Hitter friendly environment, you may. You can hitter friendly, hitter friendly environment me all you want. This guy fucking mashes. And there's a reason he was so sought after out of Carolina. He's really good. He's going to hit. He can play a couple positions. Can he play them well? TBD, as of right now, not necessarily. He's an okay third baseman. He's an okay to slightly below average second baseman. It's kind of like Julianne with the ability to play third. That's how I would view Michael Bush. But I would take an average third baseman when you have the best middle infield in baseball in Dansby and Nico Horner. I'm going to present you with my issue, and then I'm going to present you with some optimism. Okay. Why was he a 40-man crutch? Well, the answer could be that he did mash in the minor leagues, but there was a reason he is on Foolish Baseball's top prospects older than Juan Soto. In his age 25 season, he played 27 games, slashed 167, 247, 292. And what do we know about the Dodgers? They're always going to put you in positions to succeed, right? They have like nine different platoon guys. And they gave him a shot, Jack, and he hit below the Mendoza line. And then they were willing to trade him for two prospects. But form of optimism, this same Dodgers team, gave up on Cody Bellinger. And what did he do for the Chicago Cubs? And another team, really, really smart, 40-man crunch. Joe Ryan was traded for Nelson Cruz, right? So while I could put the tinfoil hat on, and while I always tend to do so, especially with a team like the Dodgers, that these prospects are probably going to be amazing, there is a chance here that they just gave up a pretty good third baseman who could play second, who could play the corners, and a reliever for two prospects who never make it, right? We could talk about upside all we want. Right. This could end up being a slam dunk for the Cubs. And if I'm a Cubs fan right now, I can't worry about what the prospects are going to be, right? Because they are far off, right? We're talking about Zaire Hope, who's 18, 19. Like, he might be good one day. We're trying to win now, and I would rather have Michael Bush on my team with six years of control, then give Matt Chapman $150 million. So I agree. Ferris is the one that I think hurts more for Cubs fans because they had a chance to digest the idea that he had number two upside. And they saw success in low A. And listen, man, like there's something to be said about that. And, And he certainly does have number two upside. So if you get, you know, a future number two starter in Ferris and Bush is good, not great, if he turns into Jonathan India, like, are the Dodgers winning? Probably. But I think the Cubs are okay taking that chance because they went through such a quick retool. And you might lose the trade in three years, but I think right now they definitely won the trade. Like, the Cubs are better off than they were. Yeah. For me, it's so apples to oranges that it's hard to say who won, who yeah. lost. It's almost impossible. It's what impossible. What we can do is evaluate the players in the deal and kind of see what happens, right? And that's yeah. why I kind of love trades like these right it's so up in the air so if you see other publications i give this trade a b for the (laughs) cubs and i give it a d for the dodgers shut the hell up and get off that page because nobody knows what these guys are going to be with that being said b plus for the cubs (laughs) that being said a plus but right now if i'm a cubs fan i feel good and if i'm a dodgers fan i also feel good 
Yes, I agree. Um, I think it's sad, like giving away Bush, but where was he going to play? That's the thing. And to tie a bow on this, I don't view these guys as as the same cat. I don't know if many view them as the same cat, but maybe the Dodgers were looking at each of them situationally in 2024 as doing similar things for them and kind of being the same guy. But you mentioned Bush's major league struggles. Miguel Vargas is another guy that has really struggled at the major league level, but Vargas has way more defensive versatility. He's a super patient hitter, and they think the bat is close to Michael Bush. Maybe not as much juice, but more patience, you know, yada, yada, yada. When it all sums up into a value perspective, they probably look at Miguel Vargas as a guy that can play third base, second base, maybe a corner outfield spot that's going to produce a 115 WRC plus. And they look at Michael Bush and it's like, okay, a guy that can kind of play third, kind of play second, that's going to produce a 115 WRC plus. And they might've just chosen Vargas. Or the Cubs chose Bush. Maybe. I wonder if both of them were floated. I agree with you. I think that is the case. I'm just trying to provide the other side where there is a chance. The Dodgers said you can have Vargas or you can have Bush and the Cubs chose Bush. I think the Dodgers chose to give them Bush instead, and I wouldn't be shocked to hear that in a couple of months. Yeah, so Michael Bush, for November 9th, 97, he just turned 26. He's 26 and 63 days old. Miguel Vargas is 24 and 55 days old. So he's more than two years younger than Bush, and I think the Dodgers may value that, so... That's I, that's my ending thought. Having said that, we're going to do the Cubs GM episode like literally next week. It's coming right around the bend. We're go- working in reverse alphabetical order, if you haven't been able to tell right now. Um, but I, I don't know, man. I, I think the Cubs are in a really solid position now and not having to fork over money that, frankly, they were going to be reluctant to. But I would still like them to add another pitcher after adding Shota. Sure. And uh, maybe a first baseman. Do you want to roll with Mervis? Do you go get a Reese Hoskins? Reese Hoskins has been a name that has been floated constantly by people tying those two together. So. As he should. I mean, As it's he like should. Reese Hoskins died. I mean, what are we talking about here? He 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 gets a knee injury and now he's terrible now? I mean, this guy hits 30 bombs. He does hit 30 bombs. And if the Cubs had 30 bombs to that, they added maybe 20 bombs from Bush. Maybe 20 bombs, we hope. We hope. I mean, shit, dude. Like he hit near 30 in AAA. So you hope 20. Shouldn't it? Yeah. Hope so. (laughs) Yeah. Let's hope. Before we hit you with the Guardians GM episode, uh, contract details for Shota Imanaga are official. Um, Way cheaper than I was expecting. Four years, $53 million for Imanaga, which is shy of 15 million AAV. Apparently, he was offered double that from another club but he chose chicago at half the price which was interesting i'll i'll find the exact name of the of the person that reported that but four for 53 my thought was i thought he was getting nine figures i didn't think he was gonna get nine figures the guy is 30 years old right fly ball issues but arm wrote a great piece on just baseball.com detailing his pitch mix and something that i didn't know until i read that article he led the MPB in strikeouts last year in 16 fewer innings than Yoshinobu Yamamoto, which is interesting. He definitely has strikeout stuff. That is going to translate. 
He's got multiple variations of a slider. He's gotten the pat- patented NPB splitter. He's got a fastball that's anywhere from 90 to 93 with that induced vertical break. It gets that similar rise to pitchers like Nestor Cortez Jr. and Christian Javier. But he is 30, right? And while he does rack up the strikeouts, the ERA is below three in the last three seasons in the MPB, but it's not this dominant force that Yamamoto is. And when you consider that Kodai Senga the year before got $75 million, correct me if I'm wrong, Senga was the better prospect when he came over. I was thinking that Imanaga would get something similar to Senga just because the market is evolving every year and... You know, next year, probably someone's going to be a free agent and get $600 million because that's just how it works. But I was expecting around this. But to your point, 53 seems a little cheap, but there are escalators. There are escalators. I was expecting five for 75, which is the deal that Sanga got to be the floor. And John Heyman kind of approves on, on that thinking. He was the one that mentioned that there was a team that was willing to more than double the offer. That Imanaga had from the Cubs. Why wouldn't he go there then? I mean, what? Because maybe he really wanted to go to Chicago and there were guys that, you know, were were preaching that to him. And maybe he really wanted to be teammates with Seiya Suzuki, who's a fellow countryman. And maybe Koji Uahara. Uahara has sneakily been an ambassador for Chicago and for Boston. Um, and, and maybe he and Imanaga are tight. I have no idea the reasoning. The Cubs are also an international brand. You know, maybe it was a mid-market team that really doesn't have much international recognition that was like, we'll give you 100, but he heard 53 from the Cubs, and he was like, I want to be there. Hey, good for him. If that's the case, it's hard for me to believe that. I mean, you're turning Me down too. <laughs> I wouldn't turn down $50 million. Three versus 100? <laughs> I'll go play for the A's. I mean, what are we talking about here? Like, I would get if $10 million less, right? Teoscar Hernandez signs a one-year $23.5 million deal with the Dodgers instead of signing about two years 28 with the Red Sox. I get that. Double? No. I'd play for anybody. I'd play for anybody. I think I'd play for anybody, too. But hey, if you're a Cubs fan hearing that, you got to be fired up. Fired up. Arm brought this up when we were talking about Imanaga's you know, landing spots a couple weeks ago. I said, I think Imanaga is a good fit with the Cubs. And he said aren't you worried about him and Steelberry being very similar? Like they're kind of the same guy where they've got, you know, crazy good ride on the fastball and, you know, like it's a two pitch mix, three pitch mix that that gets it done. And my rebuttal was not necessarily because steel was so good last year. Like if you can just replicate steel, then do it. But if steel showed, you know, massive blowups, like, a Bryce Miller or like a Joe Ryan, even when it comes to hoppy fastballs, I would then be a little worried about Imanaga, but it, I, I mean, it seems like Imanaga has a ton of success being fastball dominant at the top of the zone. Am I worried about the windy days at Wrigley? Absolutely. I'm terrified, but I kind of worry about those with steel too. You kind of worry about them with everybody because anyone hits the ball in the air, it's going to go 400 feet anyway, regardless right. of how good of a pitcher you are. And while I, if I am forming a rotation, I want a bunch of different looks, right? In a three-game series, I got a righty throwing 99. I got a lefty from an angle throwing 92. And then I have another lefty throwing 97. Or I have a righty who, you know, has the 2C mix. And, and you get two you of the want. same look. Right. Exactly. That's what you'd want. But we're also being a 
kind of greedy here, right? The Astros, when they had Verlander and Garrett Cole, do you think they were worried about giving guys a different look? No, it's just <laughs> great pitching. And I think that's what the Cubs get. So while it is similar, if they both pitch well, they both pitch well. Right. Right? And maybe Imanaga suffers a little bit because the day after Steele goes, he goes. Maybe it's in the Cubs' best interest to put Tyone in there in this two-hole. I mean, good luck with that. And that's why I think we need to talk about them adding a second starter. But this is not the Chicago Cubs GM episode. This right. is the Guardians, and this is the Reds. But I am excited to watch him pitch because we did see him in the WBC mowing yeah. down some of the best players in the entire world. He has a great track record. I think he comes over and is instantly in that, like, solid three great four range. A guy who you can throw on the mound in a postseason game and you got a chance to win. That's how I evaluate him. Wholeheartedly agree. The projected opening day rotation for the Cubs right now is Steele, Imanaga, Tyone, Kyle Hendricks, Jordan Wicks. That's not, yeah, that's <laughs> not good enough for what they want to do this year. Hey, shout out Jed Hoyer. You woke up? <laughs> He's awakened. Go get Hoskins. <laughs> Go get anybody. Yeah. That was his first signing. I mean, are you kidding me? Jed Dude, Hoyer. It was the holidays. Give him a break, man. No, I mean the holidays. Fuck the holidays. Make some moves. <laughs> Whatever. Bring back, they should just run it back with Belly and Strowman. Like, you go steal Strowman, Imanaga, Tyone, and then Hicks or Hendricks? Now that's a rotation. And put Belly I, back in center? I thought your Yanks were going to get Marcus Strowman. Uh, I don't <laughs> understand that rumor. I mean, I thought we hated him. Like, <laughs> 2019, Brian Cashman comes out and says, yeah, we didn't really want Strowman. We think he'd be better in the bullpen. I already went over these quotes, so right. fans of the Just Baseball Show know right. this. And then Stroman just trashed the Yankees. He was like, all of you suck except Garrett Cole. And now we're talking about the Yankees. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. If he signs here, cool. I mean, I know he's a good pitcher, but I think it's weird. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, all right. That was a big Cubs intro. We got Guardians GM coming in a moment. But before that, quick break. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. All right, let's do this. The Cleveland Guardians were one of the disappointments of the 2023 season. I, I think the Mets and the White Sox were the two biggest. But outside of that, it was kind of the Guardians division to handle. And it just did not happen. They couldn't hit again. They moved Josh Bell at the deadline. The pitching was young and good in spurts. But, you know, it wasn't good enough to, to carry an offense that... For stretches, it felt like we're putting up two runs a game for a month. I'm going to run you through the, the payroll numbers and the transactions so far this season, but I went into this offseason with a bad taste in my mouth when I heard the, the word Guardians, and frankly, like that taste hasn't left. First of all, before we completely disrespect the Guardians, I think the Padres and the Cardinals were bigger disappointments than the Guardians. I think that's fair. Okay, yeah, yeah. But on that same note... 
I was fully invested in the Guardians. I know. Bet them to win the division. Bet they're over win total. I thought Tito could drag me and you and Aram to a championship. And they had so many great young pieces. And some of those young pieces did exactly what I thought they would. Bo Naylor is a legitimate catching option at this point. His brother, Josh Naylor, is a legitimate first baseman. J-Ram does his thing. But damn it, Stephen Kwan. Tristan McKenzie goes down. They have nothing from the shortstop position. Andres Jimenez went from sixth in MVP voting in 2022 to a below average hitter. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of free fallers. And that's why I am excited for him this year because I'm like, no way Jimenez is this bad. I think Naylor's just going to keep getting better. And the other Naylor is going to be great too. J-Ram's still J-Ram. And they have a shortstop coming up too, who I'm excited to talk about. And Quan's bat is too good to be who he is. So let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. 2023 payroll was around $115 million. This year, they're estimated at 128.5. About 13 of that goes to Shane Bieber, who just agreed to one year for $13.125 million. I hope he really enjoys that 125 grand that he's getting. Um in his final year of arbitration. So this is Bieber's walk year. Is Bieber going to turn in an ace year? Probably because he's going to hit the market and somehow a guy sitting 90 is going to get a hundred million dollars. But on, hold on. Did you just scoff at an extra $125,000? Uh, I mean, for him. <laughs> yeah, for him. But f- I mean, I would love it. Yeah. $125,000 and I am living it up. I That's would love crazy. it. I just to put these contracts in perspective. We laugh at 13.125 and that one, two, five, is an incredible salary. It puts you in the 1% of the world, puts you in the 1% of America. Yeah. But it's just like, mm, you know what? We'll throw you this bone. It's a bone. That's what it is for Shane B. I'll, I'll take that bone. I'll, I'll take five bucks. Dude. Dude. Anybody want a Venmo? <laughs> Other transactions. They hired Stephen Vogt as their manager. They lost your king, Cal Quantrill. They DFA'd him. They acquired Scott Barlow from San Diego for Angel de los Santos. They took Davis and De Los Santos in the Rule 5 draft from Arizona. They signed Austin Hedges to be their glue guy for a year and $4 million. They acquire Esteban Florial from the Yankees for Cody Morris. That's what they got cooking so far. Cal Quantrill, you already eulogized him on the show. Um, frankly, like I didn't know if there was a spot in the rotation for him this year, if he was back and if they didn't DFA him. What do you mean? Sorry. What the fuck uh, are you talking about? Spot the rotation. Of course there was a spot in the rotation. He's one of the best pitchers alive. Is he the is he the opening day starter in Colorado? No, Freeland, right? Hometown Freeland, kid. No. Quantrill <laughs> is. I mean, they're gonna give it to Freeland because he's been there for 30 years. But no, Quantrill should be starting opening day for them. Got you. Uh catcher, the catching situation. Bo Naylor with Austin Hedges. This is backup. You also have David Fry and Brian Lavastita probably hanging out in Columbus. Wish he had a better offensive backup than Hedges, but Hedges clearly provides some value. Who cares? Bo Naylor's Vibes. young. You know Vibes. what's crazy? Austin Hedges, when you look at catcher framing runs, it's a stat on baseball savant, grades catchers. Austin Hedges, number two. Again, Heim he's one. always going to be. That's why he keeps getting paid. Yeah. Is Heim one? Patrick Bailey. Pat Bailey. Pat Bailey one. In like not that many games. This guy could be a generational framer based on his numbers from last year. The other thing is pitching staffs love working with Hedges. And yeah, that could be framing, but he's also apparently oh, an yeah. elite pitch caller too. Like he's a great vibe setter with a pitching rotation. And it's great to have him as a backup. They bring him back. They clearly liked him. 
They also have a catcher as the manager in Steven Vogt. I think that's huge for Bo Naylor. I think Hedges becomes like a uh, a, a coach manager for the Guardians too. Yeah, uh, 100%. I mean, he's literally Steven Vogt. <laughs> like, I mean, is he not just a – they brought in two of those guys. If I'm Bo Naylor right now, I am in the perfect situation. I get to bounce stuff off Hedges. My manager is Steven Vogt. I can already hit, and he's a good defender. He's just such an athlete. This whole Naylor family is just freakish. They have a younger brother, too, who's coming up. Bo Naylor is kind of a guy that we have to watch that could end up being a top-10 catcher at the end of the season. So I don't really care who the backup is. In terms of production, I really care that it's Hedges. I love that they brought him in. Yeah. Um, In terms of first base, Josh Naylor and Kyle Manzardo are going to be some assortment of first base DH. Not touching that. That's I great. I love that. I love that. Kyle Manzardo coming over for Aaron Savali. I talked about it at the time, and Savali was great for the Rays. No doubt about it. He is a good pitcher. This Kyle Manzardo kid can hit. Can really hit. Like, we're talking about Michael Bush. Who would you rather have at the plate next year, Manzardo or Bush? Manzardo. Not even close. It's close, but Manzardo. I'm more of a Manzardo guy. I know. Um, He's going to rake. He could. He very well could. And I think he'll probably play first base. And you got Josh Naylor DHing. But hey, Naylor's capable at first base. Totally. Oh, Naylor. Yeah. Naylor's just straight up really, really good. Yeah. Um, Second base, Andres Jimenez. He'll play almost every day. Juan Brito is a top 100 prospect. And and Brito could break in like if there's injury or anything. But you probably don't need him. Tyler Freeman is also like the best quad a guy we have in baseball. I think he's a big leaguer. There's just a gluttony of middle infield help right now. I just, I'm not sure if that, you know, is necessary. No, we don't have to touch anything at second base. Like Andres Jimenez had a 141 WRC plus in 2022. He yeah. finished six in MVP voting. He has to be better. And he's an hundred million dollar player. Has to be better. The guardians do not give out contracts like that. Point the, blank has to be better. Yeah. Want to knock out third base. J Ram, Davis, and De Los Santos is a backup. Not doing anything. But yeah, who cares? Shortstop. The tandem of Brian Rocchio and Gabriel Arias is probably going to run out there. You also have Tyler Freeman. You've got Jose Tana, too. Might be an assortment. Rocchio should get the full season to prove that he's the guy. Moving Absolutely, forward. he should. Do you know if they have any guys, like, deep in the system that could be able to make an impact? Because what if Rocchio doesn't work out? Like, Gabriel Arias cannot be your everyday shortstop. I think he can hit in spots. Better against lefties, for sure. He's more of a platoon option, and I'd prefer that he kind of play everywhere else instead of being your starting shortstop. Of course, Ahmed Rosario is now gone. So if Rokio doesn't work, do you know the backup plan? Because I do not. It's probably Jose Tana. Tana did get some big league looks. He played, what, 18 games, I want to say, in the big leagues last year. Yeah, it was an OPS under 600, but he you know, started six games. He played in 10 games at shortstop. I would assume Tane is the backup. Going into last year, I would have said Angel Martinez. Martinez was coming off of a great year in high A, but he split the year between double and triple this past year, and he was not good. Here's the thing about the Guardians' middle infield over the last bit. For the last several years, we've talked about how loaded the Guardian system is. And it's because of the factory that they have turned low A and high A into. It felt like they had 10 shortstops and 10 center fielders 
and 10 starting pitchers at every level. They were future big leaguers. And then they get their shot in AAA in the big leagues. It's like, okay, you're a big leaguer, but I don't know if you're a good one. Like, I don't know if you're an everyday guy. It's, it looks like you, you're a serviceable way. bench piece. Yeah. You know why? Because none of them have impact with the bat. Right. Like none of them have these high exit velos. It's the guardian's way. If you make a bunch of contact and you don't strike out, they're going to love you. And then you get up to the big leagues and it's like, well, if J Ram is out of the lineup right now, we have Josh Naylor, who's a big power hitter. And then that's it. Like Josh Bell was their four hitter for a long time with 18 home runs. Right. Yeah. So I have a guy who's basically the Austin hedges equivalent for Bo Naylor. Bring him in at shortstop. It's going to be cheap. You probably won't notice it, but I think it'd be better for Rokio's development and Jose Tino whenever he comes up as well. Gabriel Arias, these guys. Bring in Brandon Crawford for almost nothing. You think he's worth almost nothing? He's not signed yet for a reason. Did you Is see the year he had last year? I know you did, but just yes. like, you see the numbers lately? I mean, it's, he's, he's, I, I, he might retire, like, I just I wonder if Brandon Crawford, and then if he gives you anything, you're happy with it. I really don't think it's going to be expensive. So he's about to turn 37, literally yeah. next week. He had five eighty. Happy early birthday, Brandon Crawford. Let me tell you about your five eighty seven OPS <laughs> last year. Um, yeah. My thing is, will he play for anyone other than San Francisco? He's from Mountain View. He went to UCLA. He's just Cali born and bred. If he doesn't have a shot, maybe he just retires. But I would I would sneaky really like that signing with Brandon Crawford just being there. Because you know that Crawford can play shortstop still for 100%. 70 games if you need him. But if Rokio gives you 110 and you need Crawford for 50, I'm pretty happy with that. I had another option, Nick Ahmed, but I would rather bring in Crawford. Yeah. And remember, these moves are not groundbreaking. We're trying to develop the core here. Like, there's a reason the Guardians brought in Austin Hedges. They're not idiots. They see the same thing on the stat sheet offensively that you and I see. Yeah. They're bringing him in for other reasons. I think they would bring in Crawford for other reasons to just help these shortstops. Like, if they pay him $4 million bucks over one year, which I think is a fine deal to sign him to, take $4 million, play 70 games for us, and just help our young shortstops be the leader, I think he'd be interested because it doesn't seem – if the Giants wanted him back, wouldn't they already get him back? I mean, maybe there's something there and they're just waiting. Could be something. But I think it has to be a Nick Ahmed or a Brandon Crawford to just add a little bit of veteran security to these young guys. And, like, let's say Rokio stinks. If Brandon Crawford is your shortstop – it's not terrible. He's not really going to hit, but you know he's going to play sound defense. He's a leader of men, the World Series champion. Yeah, like, I'd get him in the locker room. Let's sign Brandon Crawford. I'm in. The outfield needs work, man. This outfield's bad. Bad. Steven Kwan, we're hoping he bounces back. Okay, that's your everyday left fielder. But then you're running out some assortment of Ramon Laureano, Miles Straw, Esteban Florial, Will Brennan, George Valera, John Kenzie Noel. Noel, no. Like, Noel's going to be in AAA again. Valera, his year last year, I know that this guy was a top 50 prospect going into last year, but no, he was his hurt and he fall, wasn't good. His fall was nuts. Yeah. I think he was hurt. But yeah. having said that, like, 
this is a what have you done for me lately game. And he did nothing for them last year. Yeah. So I need juice. It's like somehow. And my eyes immediately gravitated towards Adam Duvall. Yeah. I mean, that is more of a move that the Guardians would make over than signing the most obvious guy. I mean, let's get Chuck Peterson in here. But I understand Peterson, the DH, you got Manzardi, you got Naylor. You don't really want Chuck to DH. You would want him to play outfield. And at this point in his career, is he an everyday outfielder? Probably not. Adam Duvall still is. So I wouldn't mind Adam Duvall signing at all. I mean, I keep giving this guy away just because I think he's a good player. And I don't know why nobody has gotten him yet, but I would love Travis Jankowski as well. But I, I think Duvall is the perfect perfect fit here. I mean, Guardians fans, how much longer are we doing Miles Straw? I get it. He's a great defender. But come on now. We've we've seen these games. I've watched a lot of them with you. We know he's grounding out. We know it. We've seen it for years. How much longer is he your starting center fielder? Be real with yourself. And you probably have already had these thoughts because I've had plenty of them. Because you guys know I'm a secret Guardians fan. For whatever reason, I watch like every game. First of all, Cal. Second of all, Tanner Bybee. I just love this team. I love them. And I want better for them than Miles Strawn Center. Respectfully. Respectfully. How much longer are we going to do the Laureano thing in right, too? Exactly. No, I thought that was a given that he's done. Like, I thought we're just talking about Miles Straw, but I agree with you. Like, we got to get him out, too. He's on the team. He's awful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wish they still had Nolan Jones. Hell, I wish they still had Will Benson, but they don't. I wish they had Nolan Jones and Will Benson. Damn it. I know, I know, but he didn't fit the Guardian mold, so they decided it, to say adios. too many home runs. Way too many, man. Way too many home runs. Relax. I, I was saying this with Aram. I just think, like, they, they saw him, and it's like, oh, you're fucking Bobby Bradley again, aren't you? And the answer is no. Like, those guys were both better than Bobby Bradley. Um... Yeah, I, I think Duvall can either keep straw, okay, have straw in center, Duvall in a corner, but like when straw's OPSing 550, you can move Duvall to center and you can try somebody else in a corner. That's fine. I just think you have options. And Brennan, I think Will Brennan should make the 26 man roster. I think it should be Adam Duvall in center and Will Brennan in right and Stephen Kwan in left. I think that should be their starting outfield. I like that outfield opening day. It's much better. I like that outfield a lot, actually. Yeah. Okay. Not not a lot, meaning like top ten outfield in baseball, but for the <laughs> but it's better. I mean, relatively Laureano speaking, Straw, like arguably, Loriano and Straw should not be starters on any MLB team right now. Yeah. And you're the Guardians, don't you want to win the division? You can't have two players in your lineup who arguably wouldn't be a starter on the Oakland A's. No. You can't do it. Would you rather have JJ Blade or Miles Straw as your starting center fielder next year? Straw, because I know I'm getting like gold glove caliber defense. Would you? Yeah, I think so. Probably. I'm not. It's a conversation, isn't it? I mean, that's the starting center field for the Oakland. Yeah, but it's it's not. But like you're making their ears bleed, (laughs) having that conversation, even posing the conversation. But that's I'm making the conversation because we need to make changes. We need to make them fast. I mean. And we just did. That's not expensive. That's not expensive at all, right? We operate within the means of the team. We know the Guardians, we're not going to go sign Cody Bellinger. But we can sign Adam Duvall. And if you don't get Adam Duvall, we got to take a good look at ownership right now. Because, I mean, what are we doing here? 
We cannot keep running out that same outfield that doesn't do anything. And they're going through an ownership change. Starting pitcher, Shane Bieber, Tristan McKenzie, Tanner Bybee, Gavin Williams, Logan Allen. You got Xavier Curry and Joey Cantillo as the sixth and seventh options. They're young. They're fun. Bieber's the anchor. Run with it. This is why I'm probably going to buy them to win the division again. (laughs) Look at that rotation. That is a dominant rotation. If Bieber can give you a 3-4 and 140 innings, McKenzie becomes what he is, which he already is. He was just hurt. Tanner Bybee was second in Rookie of the Year voting, one of the best pitchers in the American League. Gavin Williams is, what, a step below Grayson? At times, he can look dominant like that. Grayson is better, but he has that sort of upside where you watch a Gavin Williams start and you're thinking to yourself, oh, shit. Oh, shit. I this saw, guy's good. And then Logan Allen is your five. I will take that every day of the week. I saw Gavin Williams pump 100 onto the outside corner against right-handed hitters for seven shutout innings this past year in AAA. He does something sometimes where you think to yourself, he might be the best in the rotation. That's how good. But then this is why Bybee is objectively better because Bybee is so much more consistent. Yes. So much more consistent and can go longer than Gavin can. But for a couple innings there, your eyes perk up and you're like, who the fuck is this guy? And guess what? They have both along with Tristan McKenzie, along with Shane Bieber. Bieber is never going to blow up in his fucking life. I promise you that. He doesn't know lefty and he'd go five innings, two runs efficient. (laughs) (laughs) And Logan Allen is a fun young pitcher. I think Cantillo can have a big year too. The bullpen. I think they downgraded getting Barlow for Angel De Los Santos. Like, De Los Santos has all three years of arbitration remaining. They get Barlow in his final year of control. Why did you do that trade? That was one where I just kind of scratched my head when I saw it. I wish I had an answer for you. When I saw it come across the ticker, I'm like, what the hell? What? Why? Holy hell. (laughs) Angel De Los Santos was one of their best relievers in spots. Last year, this Guardians bullpen got beaten into the mud. Right? Like Trevor Steffen is a good reliever. He shouldn't have gotten blown up like that, but it's because it seems like he's pitching every single day. Class A, same thing. Henches, same thing. Sandlin, Morgan. These guys are better than what their ERAs said, but they kept having to get thrown in there in the fourth inning because they weren't getting any length. And that's when they were starting to lose ball games. Like the Guardians team that won the division, the starters were going five or six, and then these guys would come in rested, and then it was over. And then they would have some magic there with some walk-offs and all that other stuff. This year just wasn't like that. I mean, Class A, what did you go from a 1-8 to a 3-2? You can't so. do that. Same thing with a lot of these guys. Like Trevor Steffen is not a 4-0-6 ERA guy. He is one of the better relievers in the American League. He just didn't perform like it last year. That's the way I view a lot of these arms. So I'm very excited to see how they all bounce back. But I, again, would love to add another reliever here. We have to. How do you view Karen Check? When he's on, he's on, and when he's off, he's off. It's 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 as simple as that. When That's great. Grip, Love when that. He, <laughs> when he has no, when he has a grip on the baseball, and he is pulling down on ninety seven, and it looks the same with that hammer of a curveball. Say good night. When he doesn't have the grip on the ball, and he's throwing ninety four instead of ninety seven, and the curveball ain't getting located, he's auto four runs. Does he have it that day or does he not? That's why it's so tough. And that's why he can't be an eighth inning guy, in my opinion, 
There's too much on the line. He's a dynamite. But when it looks good, I mean, the, the inning is over when it looks good. Yeah. When it's bad, it's four earned. I can't do that. I want to sign an eighth inning guy. So you've got Class A, Barlow, Henches, Stefan, Sandlin, Karinchak, Eli Morgan, Tim Heron. I want either fuzz or legit success for the last several years. And the two names that jump to my mind are Hector Neris. I want to shove Neris on every fucking good team. Yeah, I don't and like Jordan Hicks, man. Like if if I've got 102 from Hicks and then 102 from Class A at their best, feel sick. It does feel sick. The way you described it, that did kind of fire me up. But I have two options that I think are just better than those two guys. Okay. And I've been saying it. That's the problem. I keep bringing them up. I mean, somebody signed Robert Stevenson. Somebody. Yeah. Please. He's going to be really good. He is. And if he's not, I'll fucking eat it. This guy with the Rays, I was watching him. I'm like, he's, I mean, it's Fairbanks than him. And Fairbanks is a dog. And Stevenson was almost as good as he was. And no, it, maybe everybody knows about him by this point. And he's testing suitors. And maybe that puts the Guardians out of it. Because whenever anyone's testing suitors, it's not the Cleveland Guardians that are going to sign him. So do we need a lefty? Yeah, we need a lefty here, Jack. We okay. have one lefty. Okay. We need a lefty. So let's – I mean, Wandy Peralta is perfect, um, absolutely perfect, has closed games before and can be that dominant type guy. He's not amazing, but he's still good. Um, not Amir Garrett. Not Justin Wilson. Yeah, we got to go sign Wandy Peralta. We have to. <laughs> I mean, okay. we're not signing Jake Diekman. Why not? We have to sign Wandy Peralta. Okay. Um, that sentence, we have to, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Martians have the death being pointed at Earth. Give me yeah. Wandy Peralta. You have to sign him. Uh, quick trivia. Three teams at the major league level that Robert Stevenson played for before the Tampa Bay Rays. The Reds. Mm-hmm. You got me. The Rockies. Huh. And who did they acquire him, acquire him from? He made 18 appearances this past year with a team. You got to tell me. It was Robert Stevenson for Alika Williams in a trade with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Ah. Look at all the teams that aren't very good kind of giving up on Robert Stevenson. I mean, dude, with all due respect, the Rays have a deal with the devil. Uh, okay, Wandy Peralta, it is. So the new Guardians team is Bo Naylor, Austin Hedges is the catching tandem. Naylor and Manzardo is the first base DH pairing. Andres Jimenez with Juan, Fre Juan Brito, Tyler Freeman is his backup, whatever. Brian Rocchio, Gabriel Arias, and Brandon Crawford as the middle infield options. Jay Ram and Davis and De Los Santos as the third base options. The outfield. We want to run out an opening day outfield of Stephen Kwan, Will Brennan, and Adam Duvall with Miles Straw, Loriano, Esteban Floreal as backup plans, Valera, and Noel, if they figure it out. The rotation stays the same. Beaver, McKenzie, Bybee, Gavin Williams, and Logan Allen with Cantillo and Curry as the backup plans. And then the bullpen, Emmanuel Classe, Wandy Peralta, Barlow, Henches, Stefan, Sandlin, Karinczak. Bang. Bang. That team wins the division. Yep. Especially with Minnesota dialing it back. 
I love Detroit this year, but that, I like that, Detroit. This team wins the division, I think, if they stay healthy, right? Because I said the same thing last year. McKenzie goes down, Bieber goes down, and you know a lot of the pitchers were rookies at this point. And J Ram was great, but he wasn't seven F WAR J Ram. He was five and a half F WAR J Ram, which is obviously still amazing. But he wasn't like unbelievably elite. Andres Jimenez had a ninety eight WRC plus. Like if Jimenez is back to being at least one twenty. J Ram does his thing. Rokio is fine. Bo Naylor, like the pitching, it's it's going to be a really good team. I I I think they win the division. I will be betting them to win the division. This division's going to suck again. All right. No, I disagree. Yeah. Ah, this division's going to suck, man. I disagree. I think the Tigers are going to be pretty solid. I think the Twins are obviously going to be solid. I think the Guardians are going to be good, and I think the Royals. They have some guys who you're going to tune in to watch. Like, I ain't missing a Cole Reagan start this year. And then I'm going to get to watch Bobby Wood Jr. and Vinny P. Yeah, the White Sox are going to blow. But the rest, like, I don't think it's going to be that bad. I really don't. TBD. TBD. All right. We're going to wrap with the Reds. First, another break. The Cincinnati Reds are must-watch television for me this year. No doubt. 2023 payroll, $117.4 million. Estimated in 2024, uh, $110.5 million. So they're kind of holding serve here. Getting Votto off their back was huge. Transactions, chronologically. They signed Luke Maley to a one-year, $3.5 million extension with the club option for 2025. They declined 20 mil on Joey Votto. That included a $7 million buyout. They declined 2.5 on Kurt Casale. They non-tendered Nick Senzel, which felt like a burning sage moment for the Reds. It was like, okay, we're clearing ourselves of the what if Nick Senzel pans out and becomes a superstar thing. They signed Emilio Pagan to two years, $16 million with a player option for 26. They signed Nick Martinez to two for 26. They make a big splash, getting Jamer Candelario three for 45, the club option for 2027. They sign Austin Wins, one year, 950 grand. Signed Buck Farmer. They bring him back, one year, 2.25 mil. They signed Frankie Montas, one for 16, with a $20 million mutual option in 2025. The Dodgers have won the offseason, but the Reds are my darling of the offseason. Couldn't agree with you more. I was going to say the same thing. They're the sneaky darling of this offseason. And I look at their roster right now. It's going to be a little quick. And the reason I say it's going to be a little quick is there's not that many holes. And there's so much upside on this team. I would say we should stop at catcher right away. Right away. Tyler, yeah, Tyler Stevenson, Luke Maley is the backup, and and they just brought on Austin Wins and PJ Higgins to serve as like third and fourth options in Louisville. Do I love it? Not at all. Am I really worried about Tyler Stevenson? Yes, I am. But we're not far removed from Tyler Stevenson looking like a catcher that can legit hit 300 with pop. Yeah, I had a very galaxy brain thing. Okay. You often shut it down, but I just want to open up a conversation. Okay. They need to trade for a young catcher, right? Pirates have two of them. One's out for the entire year. Yep. Not this year. <laughs> Not this year. Just I, I think, putting up minds. I think we talked about it. Andy Rodriguez on a swing in the Dominican Winter League 
kind of finished the job on his UCL. So he had Tommy John surgery. So he's out for the entirety of this year. Feels so bad for Andy. And that's a guy that I got to know, you know, somewhat well. And we had great conversations with him on the call up at the futures game. Uh, but it sounds like, and Ben Charrington said that, that Henry Davis is entering camp as a catcher and now they need him to catch more so than ever before. So I'm going to shut that down right now. We can revisit that a little bit, you know, later. And by later, I mean, next year, if you want, I don't even think we're going to revisit it because I, we'll I think Henry Davis is going to be a corner outfielder in his career, but I'm, I'm with you in that line of thinking. Part of me was thinking about Danny Jansen, if they're serious about winning right now. I wanted to start with the galaxy brain and then come to some more realistic options. And that is exactly what I was thinking too. I also had another one, but I want to work through Danny Jansen because that is a better option than my other one. But I have a, I have a table for you and I want you to choose. It's a buffet here. Okay. Do you want me to give you the other option? Yeah. Would the Royals trade Salvador Perez? I don't think so with how young that roster is and MJ's not catching. Yeah. I don't, I didn't think so either, but, I mean, that guy, you had that guy in Great American Ballpark. Oh, my God. 50 homers again. He That's hit what 49 like, and what, in 22. He, he would hit jacks yeah. there. So I, I was thinking of a hitter like that in Great American Ballpark and it started getting me drooling over here. But Danny Jansen also hits nukes. And at this point, he is a starting catcher in this league. He is. He's not a great one, but he is a starter. And he would mash a Great American Ballpark. That is a guy who the Reds have to target. I am curious what the Blue Jays would need because do they want prospects? They might. Their farm system isn't great. What would a trade for Danny Jansen look like? Who's the sitting duck on the roster? For in Cincinnati on the big league roster. Jonathan India. What do the Blue Jays like kind of need? I love Davis Schneider. You know we love Davis Schneider. He was on the call up, but like Adding Jonathan India to that Blue Jays lineup is not the most unsexy thing in the world. Do you, I think the Blue Jays would do it. Would you do it if you're the Reds? I think it's a straight swap, man. Yeah, like where's India going to play? You want to let the kids play. As of right now, the Cincinnati Reds like lineup on the infield is what? Like India is the DH, okay. Candelario probably at first, right? McLean at second, Elliot short, Noel V. Marte at third. You've got Christian Encarnacion Strand on the bench. Plug him into the DH spot. India is kind of a bench bat for you. He's still got a ton of value. He's two years removed from a rookie of the year. Yeah, I, I think. Send it in. I know it makes sense, but that just seems like a decent haul for Danny Jansen. India for Jansen? Like, I think the Blue Jays would have to throw in a little bit more. I don't think so. How many years does Danny Jansen have left on his contract? Danny Jansen is a free agent. This might be his last year. Let me see. Jonathan India still has more years of control. Yeah, this is Jansen's last year, but, I mean, Jansen was... The Blue Jays would have to add a sweetener. Jansen, the last two seasons as a backup catcher, has played 158 games for the last two seasons. He's got an 817 OPS. In 158 games, 32 homers and 97 driven in. They're getting a good hitter. But the thing is, you cannot project that over a full season because he doesn't play every day, right? You get to rest. You get Which to go might make it lefty. harder. I, 
he's he's a good catcher. Jonathan India for Danny Jansen that that doesn't sit well with me. If I'm a if I am a Reds fan, I th- I need more. I need more. It's Jonathan India. I know we didn't have that great of a year. I know the splits are concerning. I but think it's still Jonathan India is not a piece of trash. Okay, now now as a rebuttal, let me give you Ross Atkins's take, who's the president of baseball operations or maybe GM. I, those titles are kind of interchangeable to me. Let me put myself in Ross Atkins' chair. What do you need so badly? You need a catcher. I've got one. I'm dangling. Why would I overpay? You need me. You need Danny Jansen. That in turn lowers the price of the the other part of that deal. Like that lowers India's price because they need Jansen so badly. Then I'd probably ask for Kirk. No. They're not I, doing it. If I'm the Reds, I think I'd turn it down. I'm not turning it down. I mean, we could do it, but I want it on the record. I would probably turn it down. Okay, I'm doing it. Jansen right, for India. It. it makes them more fun, and they could do it. That's the reason we're bringing it up. Like, if they traded Jonathan India for Danny Jansen, we're not sitting here thinking the Reds are worse. We're sitting here thinking the Reds are better. But the Blue Jays, I think, would jump at that. Or they should. I think it's a mutually beneficial deal. What do you think India's war the last two years is? Bad. He's played 222 games over the last two years. He has accumulated 1.7 war in the last 222 games. Yeah, that's not good. They're you buying know. a bounce back from a hitter that can't, like, even at his worst is league average, but can't really defend. And they're giving their backup catcher away. Danny Jansen in the last two years has 4.6 F4. Mm-hmm. All right, screw it. Let's Jansen it. for India, send it in. First base, Candelario and CES not touching it. Nope. In a million years, not touching it. Second nope. base, McLean, not touching it. Not even a little bit. Dude's a beast. Shortstop, Ellie De La Cruz, not touching it. We could consider trading him. Shut the <laughs> f- <laughs> Third base, uh, Noel V. Marte, not touching it. Let him play. I would like to sign a backup middle infielder because they really don't have many options on the bench. Sure. Uh, let's give them. You want to give them Elvis Andrews? We could. How about them? You know what I think they maybe should consider. T.J. Friedel had a great year, great year. But here's the issue: when you look into the quality of contact numbers, it's bad. And when I mean bad, I mean it's the largest discrepancy from last year, from WOBA to ex-WOBA. Not perfect, but is it? it is a telltale sign that he is going to come down a little bit. Loved watching him last year. There was a lot of ground balls that snuck through that first base and second base hole. We saw him. There's a lot of infield hits. There's a lot of balls that he beat out. He might be the answer. But if you want to spend a little bit more and make sure that center field is not a problem, make sure that you have a backup infielder, you go get Whit Merrifield. No. I think you just no. roll with it. <laughs> Sorry. No. no. What 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 about what I was saying didn't convince you? Um, any doubt in TJ Friedel? 
Really? You have no doubt about him? I have like a, a teensy bit of doubt about Friedel, but the reality is that guy put up a massive, massive season and the Cincinnati Reds have been yearning for breakout massive, massive seasons. And if I'm the Cincinnati Reds, I'm holding on to that guy for dear life. And I'm saying this job is yours next year. We'll reassess. But this year, man, like we're not taking any time away from you. Oh, I like I, Andrews. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying that. Oh, we now we need a center fielder because of problems. He's no, starting opening. No, you're saying field. you want like a safety net. And my but thing Whit is Merrifield, I'm saying Whit Merrifield can play center. And he's a very good infielder. Like, he's just a very good player to have in that locker room, especially the guy who's just been around the block with all these young cats. Like, TJ Friedel, right, 750 OPS in 2022. The guy's 28 years old. Now, the I mean, one of the lowest hard hit rates in the league. It It's just not looking good for him next year. I hope I'm wrong because he was damn fun. But, like, 11th percentile of ex-Woba, that ain't good. That's that's extremely, extremely concerning. Now, Exwoba, so, again, isn't everything, <clears throat> but I'm going to put you around the kind of guys that he was in terms of a quality of contact that accounts for strikeouts and walks. Put it all together in one number. It's a great number to look at. Alec Thomas, Harrison Bader, TJ Friedel, Ezekiel Tovar, Cedric Mullins. Those were the guys with similar amounts of contact quality as a hitter. That's not a great list to be on. Yeah. I don't know, I, all man, I'm like... saying is you get Whit Merrifield. He can play anywhere you want at any given time. And he can play center if TJ Friedel isn't the guy. So, and if he is, you still have Whit Merrifield who's good everywhere else. So the thing is he can't play everywhere you want. Like he's never played shortstop in the major leagues. Okay. Ever. He's not going to play short, but you have McLean and Ellie. I'm saying he can play second. He can play third. I'm sure he could play first and he could play every outfield position. So my thought was, I want a guy that in like, depends on what they think about Jose Barrero this year. Is Barrero a guy that's going to hold the bench role or is he just kind of a sitting duck? Now I what think he's think? probably a sitting duck. Yeah, I mean, there you go. he's yeah. never, I don't think he's ever going to hit enough to be like a guy in the major leagues. Like we were thinking he would be smooth hands though. Yeah. Super smooth hands. But I like the Andrews idea better because okay. Like he can play second, he can play short. All right, say Ellie, you know, is out for a little bit. McLean moves to short. Andrews can play second. Say McLean is out for a little bit. It's not like Ellie's moving to second base or Marte's moving to second base. He got Andrews playing second base. Yeah, I mean, we don't even really need to sign an infielder too because there is Noelvi Marte there. Yeah, but Marte, like, I don't trust Noelvi Marte at shortstop. I think he should just be the third baseman. Yeah, I think that's fine. No, uh, let's get Elvis Andrews. Let's get Andrews and, and cheaper buy-in. And they've already spent a ton of money. That's another point that I wanted to bring about about getting with Merrifield and said it's going to be about double or triple the price. So yeah. that's fine. But I, I will say right now, I am a little bit worried about TJ Friedel. One okay. on the record. Okay. I love him. I'm a little bit worried. I'm not. <laughs> I, okay, I'll good. just get that out there. Let's see what happens. Outfield right now, Steer in left, Friedel in center, and Benson in right with Fraley, Fairchild, I mean, Jacob Herdebees, if you want. I love the Herdebees story as as the backup plan. I don't think you need to do anything, really. Nope. Will Benson is a – he's so fun. He's so fun. He gets so fired up. I love Will Benson. Um, left field Spencer Steer, going to be an all-star. Um, <laughs> what are you laughing at? Nothing. Good. Spencer Steer, all-star. Um, 
left field. Yeah, we're good. We're good. good. Starting rotation, I think, is one of the deepest that we've got in the National League. Green, Ashcraft, Abbott, Lodolo, if healthy, Frankie Montas, Nick Martinez. And then waiting in the wings, you've got Brandon Williamson, Connor Phillips, Lyon Richardson, Carson Spires, Christian Roa, Levi Stout, if you need it. There are so many options. And for my money, I think there are six or seven high-level options here. In Green, Ashcraft, Lodolo, um, Green, Ashcraft, Lodolo, Abbott, Montes, Martinez, Phillips. That's seven. I mean, they definitely did well for concerns about their rotation. Like Frankie Montas was a guy who went over to the New York Yankees from the Oakland A's, and it cost a lot of prospects for a reason. Like we can't forget that Frankie Montas, not too long ago, back in 2022 with the A's, before he got traded, had a 3.18 ERA in 104 innings. Year before, 3.37 in 187 innings. The dude runs that sinker in on you and has recorded back-to-back seasons outside of last year, obviously where he was hurt, with a ground ball rate that's above average, right? 45.8% in 2022. In 2019, he posted a 50%. This is a good pitcher for Great American Ballpark, and it's a really good gamble. Mm-hmm. I'm a gambling man. I love this gamble. $16 million, whatever. At this point, guys on rentals, it's going to be more than you thought it would. Just put that in your head. What have I been saying for freaking two years? It's going to be always more than you think it is, except for Imanaga, weirdly. But for everybody else, it's going to be a lot more money. So here's in terms of the talent, one year's $16 million. Yeah, I'd buy that. I'd buy the shit out of that stock. How about this? This broke when we just started recording. Free agent pitcher Brent Suter and the Cincinnati Reds are in agreement on a one-year deal. I love that ad. Why not? That's great. Wait, wait, are you talking about legend Brent Suter on the Rockies? He was throwing 88. Nobody could touch it. Dinosaur noise, Harvard grad Brent Suter. Just outsmarting motherfuckers? Yes, brother. Yes. Love that. Brent Suter, you are a Cincinnati Red, man. Look at us. Look how nerdy we are. Oh, God. That's great. Okay, so the the bullpen right now. Welcome back, TJ Antone. I hope Antone shoves. He's yes. nasty when he's nasty. healthy, man. He's healthy again. He was good in, I think, like five big league innings or something last year. Um, I'm factoring Antone into this big league bullpen. Alexis Diaz is a monster. You just signed Pagan. Factor in Antone. Factor in Suter. Lucas Sims. Sam Mole. I'm super high on Ian Jabot. Buck Farmer you bring back. No changes. Go Cincinnati Reds, man. I'm a Reds guy. Sam Mole might be the most underrated, underrated reliever in Major League Baseball. Now, he probably isn't. I'm probably being hyperbolic. How many times have I talked about Sam Mole on the podcast, though? Remember when he was in the A's and I wrote that article about this guy who has just, like, always been really good and then he kind of shoved with the A's and nobody cares? And then last year puts up a 303, all right? Nobody cares. <laughs> he's a good reliever. And he's, like, your fifth guy. Like, again, I, I have faith. Who don't you have faith in in this bullpen? Alexis Diaz, Emilio Pagan, Lucas Sims, Ian Jabot, Sam Bull, Fernando Cruz, Alex Young, Buck Farmer. Who do you Fer- not believe in? Fernando Cruz. I love the story. You know, older rookie and all that. Pagan, 
has been somewhat hit or miss over the last couple of years, but he's coming off a damn strong year. Yeah, dominant. I, I I still think Fernando Cruz is fine as the last reliever in your pen. Yeah. Like he's like, yeah, do I think he could close games? Of course not. But do I think he can do mop-up duty? Absolutely. And then, like, I mean, right now, when does – um, how am I forgetting his name? The lefty. Lodolo? Nick Lodolo. I'm such an idiot. When does he come back? Do you know? He's back. He's fully back? Yeah. Like opening day back? Yeah. I thought it was going to be a month or two. I don't think so. Okay. I just didn't see him in Ross Resource. Um, here we go. Lodolo said he's scheduled to throw a bullpen session on Thursday. This came out today. When okay. the time comes for him to be game ready, he expects to be ready to go. He expects to be good to go by spring training. Amazing. Because then this rotation now, if Montes is healthy enough, Nick Martinez now goes back into that bullpen. Sure. Great. Great. You love that. And again, the seven starters, man. Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft, Abbott. Montes, Martinez, Phillips. Right. Here's here's why though, like we are hyping them up a ton, right? We love this team. We've we've loved this team even before last year where they made their jump. The pitchers at the top, they have a lot of depth. Like, how good is Hunter Green? How good is Nick Lodolo? How good is Graham Ashcraft? Because last I checked, Graham Ashcraft keeps putting up a five ERA. Right? Like, I like Abbott. I love Abbott. What are you feeling about those four? Like, rank them in terms of vibes. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's pretty solid criteria, actually. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying, though? Rank them. I mean, how much do you believe in these guys? Yeah, in terms of 2024, my belief level probably goes... hard it's Green. really hard it's it's hard i i just kind of view them all as like the same guy but i will say green one abbott two lodolo three ashcraft four i would rank them the exact same but i gotta say i'm just not that's my big issue with the reds is that i love their offense i love their bullpen you need multiple of these guys to step up and they all have the talent to do so and that's why this season, that's why the Reds are must-watch. Because if those all those pitchers reach their potential, watch out. I yeah, I just, don't. This team's finishing fourth. I just think they're running out a three-starter every night. And I can get behind that. Yeah. No, and that's that can be winning baseball. I mean, it's not that different from what the Cardinals are doing. Not that different from what the Cubs are doing now. Aside from Steele and Imanaga. Better than the Cubs. Is it not? Like, I really don't like Tyone Hendricks Wicks on the back. Yeah, end. that's the point. Yeah. I mean, would you rather have Montes or Wicks? <laughs> like, I mean, what are we talking about? All right. Yeah, I like it. I got to see a win total projection for the Cincinnati Reds because I'm feeling bullish is the good one. Bullish is the good one, I think. We do that all the time where we agree with each other and then, like, we're wrong. <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. All right. Well, Jack looks up whether bullish or bearish is the right term. Hopefully everybody enjoyed the Just Baseball show and has a great 
weekend. Hopefully we sent you into it with a banger. Cincinnati Reds, Cleveland Guardians, Shota Imanaga, and that weird but really awesome trade between the Cubs and the Dodgers. We talked about my hats at the beginning, but let's for a second talk about the Just Baseball merch. Get yourself an athletic tee. Get one. You can find them in the episode description. I wear it literally every day. It's one of the most comfortable thing I own, and I wouldn't just say that. I I wear it all the time. You see it on the show. Get yours in the episode description. And if you don't want to get any merch, we do ask. Please rate and review on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. We dropped to a 4.9. I hate it. We dropped to a 4.9. Show might be cooked. We need your help. We need your support. And really, I'm not joking around. It really does help our show to rate and review. It takes four seconds. And to hit that subscribe button on YouTube. It takes another four seconds. Maybe less. Depends how fast your click time is. For me, it's a second. But I'm an athlete. Might take you a couple more seconds. So do that. Rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and subscribe on YouTube. That's Jack McMullen. Before we go, bullish or bearish, which is the right one? Bullish means price is going to go up, or so you think. Bearish means price is going to go down. So we are bullish on the Cincinnati Reds. We are also bullish on the Cleveland Guardians, and we are bullish on you. Thank you for listening. We'll see you on Monday. And with that, thank you, everybody. I'm kind of bearish on the Guardians.